Welcome back to the Reading Blues podcast, the place to find out more about the school and to connect with staff, pupils and parents at a deeper level. Each week we'll be spending time interviewing people within the community, asking them questions and understanding more about them and more about the school. In this episode, we speak to Kate Wakeman-Tugood, chaplain, maths teacher and pastoral care. We ask her how she juggles the role she has in school with being an associate vicar at St Andrew's Church, what the future of the chaplaincy looks like at Reading Bluecoat, and if she had a time machine, whether she would use it to go back in time 2,000 years. So come with me and let's explore the world of Reading Bluecoat through the eyes of Kate Wakeman-Tugood. Kate, thank you for joining us here on the Reading Blues podcast. I'm looking forward to talking to you today all about the pastoral side of life, the chaplaincy side of life at the school. But first of all, how are you today? I'm doing very well. It's been um, quite a nice day today. It's uh, Friday afternoon. It's been very sunny. I've had um, a bit of a varied day. Lots of my days are quite varied, but I'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to going for dinner tonight after we've recorded this. Oh, excellent. Oh, that should be good, especially after the last, what, 15 months that we've had. The the idea of going out for dinner is um is a lovely one, really, isn't it? I must admit, I have been making the most of being able to go out for dinner again. It's, uh, it's a really nice way of socialising with um, mm-hmm. people I've not seen for a while. So, yeah. Mm. So we're going to be talking about a few things here, all connected with Reading Bluecoat. But I wonder whether you can just talk us through where you went to school yourself, what your own experience was like of being at school. So I grew up in Birmingham and I went to um, King Edward's Camp Hill School for Girls, which is a girls grammar school in Kings Heath. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed school and um, I've still got some good friends from school. Probably doesn't surprise you, but my favourite subject was maths. And Mm -hmm. um, I went to university in Leicester and I studied maths there. And then I trained to be a math teacher. So I enjoyed school for many reasons, but maths was the theme uh, that took me through school. Okay, so it strikes me then that you've got a few different roles within the school. If you met somebody in a slightly random situation and they said, what do you do at the school? How would you summarise it into one sentence? I would probably say I'm the chaplain, but I also teach some math. Okay. So the teaching is definitely not the main part of my role, but it's really Mm -hmm. an important part of my role. So a massive part of my identity has always been as a math teacher. I absolutely Mm -hmm. love maths and I absolutely love teaching. So I would say I'm the chaplain because first and foremost I am, but that I teach math there as well. Not a lot, but enough that um, I feel part of the department. And uh, what age maths do you teach? Do you go right up to sixth form? So I can and I have taught all the way up to sixth form, but at the moment I've taught, I'm teaching uh, GCSE classes. Okay, well, let's look a little bit then uh, at the the role of being a chaplain. Again, let's imagine that somebody walked into the school and they had no idea what a chaplain actually does. How would you summarise that? Talk us through some of the the, the key roles of being a chaplain. So I would say that there are different strands to being a chaplain. And uh, one of them is, of course, the spiritual life of the school. And Mm. um, it's not a church school, but it has a strong Christian foundation, which is uh, expressed through its values and also through the services that we have through the year held at the local church, where I'm also the associate vicar. And Mm -hmm. also we have what we call spiritual assemblies, which are essentially chapel assemblies, although we don't physically have a chapel every Thursday. So there's the spiritual life of the school. Um, And then there's the pastoral part of my role, which I I think is definitely the predominant part, where I support various members of the community, pupils, staff and uh, their families as well. And Mm -hmm. that probably takes up most of my time if you were going to divide me up in a week. 
And also, um, I'm a firm believer that the chaplaincy should be a place of hospitality and fun. So there is definitely an emphasis on, um, well, pre-COVID, there was mm-hmm. lots of gatherings, drop-ins that were fun for the for the younger boys, uh, pop-up coffee shops, lots of um, you know refreshments and events. So the chaplaincy hasn't run that many events, but moving forward into next year, that's something that I want to... Uh, sort of grow within the chaplaincy so it's got those mm. strands and um underpinning it all is i guess a calling on my life to love and to serve that community so tell me more about how you make that fun if i was a, a, a pupil at the school and, and i came in what, what sort of fun things could i expect there well i i run a lower school chaplaincy drop-in and i carried on running it on online during covid which was slightly different i didn't get as many boys but a, a good handful still came but mm-hmm. in real life, uh, when I'm allowed to run it again in my office, um, I've got two rooms, so there's plenty of space. It would be board games, normally biscuits, where's Wally books, um, sort of would you rather card sets. Mm-hmm. And it's a really safe place. And, and loads of boys would come pre-COVID and um, mm-hmm. friendships were formed there. And it was just really lovely, a really positive place. It was safe as well for them to sort of, have a chat about anything they wanted to talk about. And they weren't necessarily boys that would be friends with each other in around school, but actually they came to the chaplaincy and we'd have like competitive double, Uno, all sorts of stuff. And mm-hmm. they really helped me shape that as well. So they'd be like, oh, have you heard of this board game, Miss? And I'd be like, oh no. So we'd go and buy that. And um, it was just really lovely. And mm. uh, it's one of the things that I've missed the most, although I have tried to do it virtually. We've done like virtual um games and um okay right it, we did we did a couple of them on teams in fancy dress which were quite random <laughs> but i think uh that's fun and then also we've um got some other things planned for next year so we've done chaplaincy donuts to sort of cheer them up but i've also done other stuff like um made sure that there's always biscuits available and we're having an ice cream van in the last week of term which is a chaplaincy thing and then next year I've got uh, a new team of chaplaincy assistants, pupils, who are going to be planning things. I think they're going to plan an autumn fete and other stuff. So it's going to be based out of the chaplaincy, but it's much more about fun and hospitality and building relationships. Because even though I'm here for a crisis, I'm not only here for a crisis. Mm -hmm. Uh, The chaplaincy is about building relationships and being integrated into the whole life of the school. So yes, I'm there when there's a need, but I want the chaplaincy to be part of the school all the time in the good and the bad. Okay, so let's go back a little bit. When did you get your calling to, first of all, go into the ministry? So this is a strange story. And I like to think that I was one of the most surprised people uh, that I've ended up in ministry. Although saying that, when I was a little girl, I used to either want to be a maths teacher or or a priest. And I didn't think anything of it, but I used to (laughs) preside at the Eucharist with my teddy bears when I was about eight. I didn't realise that really wasn't that normal. Um, but that sort of went away. I didn't really think much of it. And I always wanted to be a maths teacher and I became one. And then when I was in my late 20s, I had two small children. So I was only working part time and mm-hmm. our vicar left. Now, in the Church of England, when your vicar left, leaves, anyone who looks remotely enthusiastic gets roped into doing all of these things <laughs> while the church yeah. is in a vacancy. So yeah. I was asked to take a, sm- a simple service in a residential home once a week 
or every other week it varied okay. and it was a communion service so the bread and wine had been pre-blessed by the priest because mm-hmm. I wasn't ordained mm-hmm. at this time I did have a license to administer communion I used to administer the chalice in the church so I went along for the very first time uh, without anybody so I'd been along with the vicar and then I'd mm-hmm. been along with another lady and this time I was all by myself and um, I felt really out of my depth I wasn't sure I wanted to be there I was thinking what am I doing I felt really small and a little bit like you know this isn't what I should be doing what if I do it wrong mm. you know it, it was very strange so I was sort of plodding through the service just hoping I was getting the words right and um and then in the middle of the service as I was saying a certain prayer it was like like everything changed and the only really way to describe it although I know this didn't actually physically happen but it was almost like time stopped and suddenly I felt a complete change of heart within myself. And with that came lots of things um, like, I don't know, a need, an urge to to study the Bible and, and this overwhelming sense of compassion for the people there and this feeling like of a change of heart. And mm. I couldn't really articulate it. Uh, I didn't hear a big booming voice or I didn't see a big flashing light, but it was definitely a moment of um, immense change and transformation that it took me a long time afterwards through talking to my bishop and other people to sort of before I could articulate actually I feel called to be I think I feel called to be a priest but I say I stepped out and the sky looked a different blue and the the trees looked a different green and I can't really describe it apart from that something changed there and I Mm. felt like I'd encountered God in a very real way but that my life was to change direction but like I said it took a little while afterwards I actually rang up one of my friends who's um in ministry and said something really weird just happened because that's all I could think of to say and that was I guess the start of my my journey to being ordained. But this was a calling into ministry at that point, as opposed to calling into Christianity in the first place. Is that right? Yeah. So I was already a practicing Christian and already Mm. quite involved in the life of the church. And I described myself as the kind of Christian that I didn't have a big conversion to Christianity. I'd grown up. um, My mum was a Christian. I'd grown up going to church. And I guess Mm. the way I would describe it is I'd never felt outside of, you know, God's love. I'd always believed in God. And I'd always maybe felt like I could be more involved in the church, but mm. I, I'd never really thought, apart from in my eight-year-old childlike way, um, that I would end up ordained. It was something that I'd never really thought of. So it was more mm. a um, a moment of like a change of direction towards being ordained yeah. rather yeah. than a conversion to Christianity. I don't, I didn't really have one of those because I'd always believed. Okay, so now, of course, you are. You mentioned that you're also the associate vic, uh, vicar at St Andrews. How do you juggle the role that you have in school with the role that you have in the parish? In some ways, the days make it quite easy for me because I have very fixed days. Um, mm-hmm. I'm three days a week in school and two and a half days a week. Well, three days if you include the Sunday in in the parish. I get one day a week off, which, if I was a standard vicar in a parish that would be a typical pattern to work six days and get a rest day yeah so I try very hard to stick to those days now inevitably something comes up that's really urgent or a particularly Mm. important meeting either from church on a school day or school on a church day so Mm. the church council meetings and parents evenings if they fall Mm -hmm. on a different day I'll be flexible occasionally you know I'll I'll glance over my emails but largely I try really hard to have school days and parish days and by keeping those boundaries uh, it stops me from sort of ending up working an eight or nine day week which would be (laughs) the potential 
issue with having two three day a week jobs that are both quite mm. demanding so let's look a little bit more then at the pastoral side of your work that you do in school um i mean what might you say to somebody who who kind of felt like because you're a chaplain and your pastoral care that the idea of pastoral care is like a, a an, an an undercover way of trying to convert people to christianity what would you say to someone who who had that kind of idea I think the good thing about having been at the school for four years is that everyone's got to know me now. And I think everybody knows that, you know, I am absolutely delighted if somebody wants to come and talk to me about faith, about Christian faith. I've, uh, pupils come and talk to me about other faiths as well. You know, mm. I, I love those conversations, um, mm. but that's not my agenda. And I think because people know me now, they know that that's not my agenda my mm. assemblies and services of course are explicitly christian and that's you know rightly so i'm the chaplain of a school with a church foundation but my pastoral care is not agendered in any way shape or form and the mm. chaplaincy is a really warm open and inclusive place so four years in i have the privilege of being known at the beginning um i think again it was about building relationships mm -hmm. and sort of saying you know i'm here for anyone of any faith or none my pastoral care i'm not a counselor but um i've training in active listening um bereavement trauma that mental health you know that they're the sort of issues i'm dealing with and that mm. hasn't got an explicitly faith element to it at all so mm. people of mm. all faiths and many of no faith at all come to talk to me so i think it's about building trust and relationship that has meant that um that i can offer pastoral care without i don't think that people would be skeptical of my agenda to convert people as it were but I think when I first started particularly because I wear my dog collar in school I think people were like oh this you know this is they hadn't had a chaplain for a few years and so I guess I looked a bit strange and other and like I said if somebody wants to talk to me about faith that's great but I don't know maybe like 80 percent 90 percent of my conversations are about other things mental health bereavement mm. um mm. you know that that sort of thing and I approach that Obviously, I, I, I'm not, I didn't stop being a priest, but I approach that from um, a, a, a general well-being, a pastoral point of view, rather than mm. an explicitly faith point of view, if that makes mm. sense. Kate, talk me through the future of the chaplaincy. How does that look at Reading Bluecoat? So as I mentioned earlier, I have a team of 10 pupil chaplaincy assistants. I've never had any, and now I have 10, and it's absolutely amazing. And they are a fabulous bunch. They really are. I haven't actually officially announced their names yet, so I can't say any more. But they have got brilliant ideas. They're um, a real range of, of, of pupils. And I won't give any more information because I don't want to spoil the reveal of who they are. But they mm -hmm. can offer to the chaplaincy so many different gifts and ideas. So that's a really exciting thing for the future. And mm -hmm. um, the chaplaincy will inevitably grow uh, mm -hmm. as they do more but also can help run some of the things that I run which might free me up to do other things as well mm -hmm. I think the future post-covid is really looking at how we all are um after such a difficult 18 months I'm holding a memorial service in October for anyone in the school community to remember a loved one that's died over the past year and a half whether of mm -hmm. covid or not there's been restrictions around funerals and inevitably quite a lot of my role over the past year, well, generally, but certainly over the past year, has been around bereavement and just mm. giving people an opportunity to pause and reflect on, 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 on personal loss, but just generally how much 
loss there's been, how much change there's been. And I think that's mm. really important to give people the space to do that. And I think mm. really just carry on what I'm doing and um, just uh, be there for the community. It's a community. I cannot express enough how much I love that community and mm. being a part of it. And I, and I hope that that love I have for the community shines through in, in everything I do, both in the classroom and in the chaplaincy. Kate, I've got a couple of um, uh, questions for you now. Actually, nothing so much to do with the work that you do. And this, this is what I'm looking forward to the answer to. If you had a time machine and could jump back in time 2,000 years, would you choose to travel back and go and meet someone rather significant in parts of the world such as Jerusalem or Bethlehem? I would absolutely love to do that. So sometimes when I'm preaching on a Sunday in the church, and I talk about how we're all disciples of Jesus. And uh, particularly after the resurrection, I talk about, you know, we can all meet Jesus through our prayer. And, you know, and I always say stuff like I'm always a little bit envious of those who saw him in the flesh. And I think for me, Jesus um, embodies God's love. And I think there would be something absolutely amazing to see and touch that God incarnate. So there is absolutely no doubt that I would... Um, go back to, to meet Jesus in the flesh. Um, I'd probably be, I have like a million questions. I'd, I'd probably, um, you know, but it's uh, it's definitely something, I think I've had questions before about if you had a dinner party, who would you invite? And Jesus is always there. But what questions could there be that, you'd, that you might want to ask Jesus himself in person that you maybe couldn't ask in prayer though? I think I would want to ask him to help me to, understand love and compassion through through God's eyes now I think I am a very loving and compassionate person but when we look at what's going on around the world there's so much hurt and so much pain and I, I think I would want to ask Jesus's guidance on how to transform love and compassion in, into action and how to mm. to reach out in a world that can seem very broken at times I think I'd also want to ask him about what he thought of things like, you know, knowing he was the son of God. How did he, I mean, did he go to school? How did he feel about doing the ordinary things um, in life? Uh, I, there's things in the Bible that we don't quite know whether the translation's accurate or not. There's ambiguity. So I'd want to know sort of, you know, whether he was actually born in a barn or was it the room on the side of somebody's house? There's, there's ambiguity around some of the translation there. I think I would just have lots of, I'm a bit geeky. So, and I've studied theology um, to master's level. So I, I, I'm biblical studies. So I think I'd probably want to ask him loads of really geeky, boring questions <laughs> about the practicalities. And did, did we get this bit right when we translated it? Um, so some deep stuff and some more sort of, you know, superficial geeky questions as well. So is there a suggestion then that, that what we read in the Bible may be lost in translation despite the fact that we read that all scripture is god breathed so what we have to do is you know we say that the bible is the word of god and it is um through it we can learn of god's purpose for creation and we can learn about the life of jesus we can learn so much from the bible and yes i do believe that the bible is the word inspired by god however we need to remember as well that not only was it written by lots and lots of different people, but also it's best to see it as a library of books of different genres rather than to see it as a book from start to finish. But inevitably in that, things will have been translated, retranslated and redacted 
And for me, that doesn't sort of challenge my faith to think, oh, you know, was that in a different order originally? Or, or what does that word mean? Actually, to me, it actually deepens my faith because it's allowed me to look more deeply at scripture and its context. And I think it's been really important for me because I'm, I'm frequently asked questions about, well, the Bible says this, but then it says this. And I think for me, having studied the Bible helps me to sort of say, well, yes, this word could mean X, Y, or Z, or this passage could be interpreted in these two ways. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think that's okay because then you can make your own informed decision. I won't go into mm. any detail, but we know there are passages of the Bible that are, are interpreted in, 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 in different ways by, by different Christians. And I think that if you study that and engage in those discussions and come to your own conclusion, that's better than sort of saying, well, the Bible says X without thinking about the nuance and the context. So for me, as a Christian in an environment where most people around me aren't Christians, and in fact, most people around me don't have a faith or or, or agnostic, I think for me, it's really important that as a Christian, I show um, that that the people are loved as they are and that everyone is created in God's image and loved and that the chaplaincy, Mm. as I said earlier, is a place that's that's, um, loving and inclusive and uh, welcoming. And I hope that does come across in the way the chaplaincy operates within the school. Okay, and then a slightly more fun question. Uh, you mentioned that you studied theology, which means that there have been times where you've studied the Bible, of course. And I think it would be fair to say that there are some books out of the total of 66 that are easier to read than others and some that are quite tricky to read. What would you say is, first of all, one of the most, not tricky to read, but you need to be in the right frame of mind because it requires a bit more effort And then secondly, which is one of the most easy books to read that is straightforward and can just instantly uh, be absorbed without too much deep thought or concentration? I'm not going to go into much detail about the book, but the book of the Bible that I find hardest without a shadow of a doubt is the book of Job, um, because it is uh, a very, very difficult, painful book to read. And um, I actually deliberately studied it to try and help me Uh, grapple with it and it did help a little bit but I still find it very difficult it's a very sad at times and 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 just very it it throws up so many questions so like I said studying it helps a little but I find it difficult and also the book of revelation for very different reasons it's all about prophecy and visions and and some of that is really hard to grapple with and I prefer to read the book of revelation with a bible commentary to help me understand it Uh, so people have gone before me scholars a lot cleverer than me, have done all the looking into this for me and they can help me understand it as I read it. Hmm. And then for me, the bits of the Bible I love to read, and this is going to sound so obvious, and I wish I could come up with a better answer, are the Gospels, the Hmm. life of Jesus. What I like is you've got the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, and uh, they offer a much more sort of factual account at times, I guess. They're all different. And I love the fact they're all different because they're they're all um, writing for different audiences. So yes, there are some discrepancies, but you know, if something happened uh, and lots of different people, you know, quite a few years later wrote it down, having gathered eyewitness evidence, of course there'd be discrepancies, but you look at what's in common and you look at the way they're written for those specific audiences and you learn so much about Jesus. And then there's John's gospel, all about the signs and that deep theology and that 
theme of, of love throughout. So I would always go back to the Gospels. And sometimes I like to read the same account, but written by different writers. So, so yeah, I would always go back to Jesus. That's probably a great place to end this podcast um, uh, episode. Kate, thank you very much for being here. If anyone's got any questions about anything you've said, maybe they want to follow up and they're interested in anything you've said, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me is to email me um, at klt at rbcs.org.uk. And um, as I said, I am the chaplain to pupils, parents uh, and staff all faiths and none. I'm not just here for a crisis. Um, just a cup of tea and a hello is lovely on occasion. So if you email me, I'd be more than happy to give you a ring or to meet up if you wanted to chat about anything at all or just a hello. Excellent. Uh, well, look, Kate, thank you so much for being here. I, I really appreciate your time. Appreciate talking to you. And uh, thank you for being here. Thank you very much. And that was Kate Wakeman Toogood, chaplain, maths teacher, pastoral care and associate vicar at St Andrew's Church. Thank you, Kate, for coming on to this episode of the podcast and opening up the chaplain to us so that we can all keep in step. If you want to get in touch with Kate, her direct email address is klt at rbcs.org.uk. She's inviting you in, even if just for a cup of tea and a hello, to use her words. Now, don't forget that our next episode is coming out soon, so be sure to follow this channel, and it just means that when that next episode does come out, you'll get a small notification to let you know that it's there, and that means you won't miss it. So look after yourselves, and in the meantime, we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.